We're joined by Illinois Athletic Director Josh Whitman. Great to see your face in person and not on Zoom. I mean, it's been a year unlike any other, but how excited are you as we kind of turn the corner now into a little bit of normalcy? Incredibly excited. I think there's an energy around this building and throughout the program. Everybody understands uh, the opportunity that awaits us in the fall and the chance to bring people back into the buildings and to give our student athletes the, the full experience that they came here to have is something that I know we're all very much looking forward to. And I know the recent announcement of your athletic facilities opening up to full capacity, Memorial Stadium, of course. I mean, how exciting is that for not only your athletic department, the fans, the athletes, the coaches, but how can that also help you guys financially after uh, the year that it's been? It's hugely exciting for everybody. Obviously, football Saturdays in Memorial Stadium are something that very meaningful to the entire athletic program, but certainly to our players, to our fans, uh, to so many people who have supported this program to be able to walk out into the, the tailgating lots and hear the marching Illini and smell the grills and, and hear all the sounds. Of, uh, of an Illinois football Saturday, something I know we're all anticipating. And, and as you said, that the financial benefit is meaningful for the athletic program. We, we fund our entire operation through the revenues generated through football and men's basketball. And a big part of that is selling the tickets, the, the parking, the concessions, the merchandise, everything that goes with that in-game experience for our fans. And um, so we're, we're very grateful uh, to everybody for their support. And uh, we know that that will make a big difference for us as we head into our new fiscal year. And bringing in Brett Bielema to lead your football program, uh, your second football hire that you've had since becoming the athletic director here. I mean, how important is it in, in getting this hire right in a sense and, and being able to find a guy that can take the program to the next level? Really excited about Coach Bielema. He's come on board and just done such an exceptional job here during the first six months of his tenure. He's hired an incredible staff. He's recruited our group of super seniors, something made available to us through COVID to, to come back. And I, I think will help provide a really nice bridge to the future for this football program. Hit the ground running with his in-state recruiting, which I know we're all very excited about. And uh, just tremendous energy, great vision. He's got a solid plan for everything that has been thrown at him so far and uh, very much looking forward to, uh, to seeing him take the field and, and watching these guys compete this fall. I think everyone wants to know about that third basketball assistant and when that position is going to be filled. But you're, you're telling everyone, hey, you know what, relax. It's going to be all good. What gives you that kind of confidence? I, I, I get the privilege of being a part of those conversations every day. And so I, I, I know that Coach has a plan. We're working the plan. It's really more about timing than anything else. And uh, believe it or not, we're going to have a third assistant. And so it, and they're going to be somebody who's going to come here and be very excited about this university and do a great job for us on the sidelines. How generous are you with uh, the salary of this next assistant and being able to help out Brad Underwood and give him the budget to kind of hire, you know, the cream of the crop here? That's always been our MO. We, we want to make sure that our coaches have the resources they need to recruit the best to come here to Champaign. And, and we try and do that in, in every sport possible and certainly in men's basketball. That has always been a, a focus of ours. And so uh, he'll have the, the, the opportunity to do what he needs to do to go out and get the, get the right person.
Now you said the turnover of the assistant coaches was a byproduct of the success that the program had. I mean, were there strong efforts to, to keep them here? I know, you know, they kind of went on to do what, what they needed to do professionally and personally for themselves. But I mean, where did, where was your role in maybe trying to, to keep the, the coaching staff intact of what was a very successful season for the program? My role is to work with, with Coach Underwood in that situation and, and figure out exactly how he wants to move forward strategically and, and be there to support him with, with resources as necessary. And uh, I think all three of those guys knew that we, we wanted them to stay here, that University of Illinois was proud to have them as assistant coaches. But we understand that everybody has different opportunities, different interests. And as I said earlier, we'll, we'll always have great feelings for them and retain, I, I think, strong relationships with them going forward. You've supported, you know, athletes being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. But how important is it for you to find a, a national solution, whether you know federal or NCAA regulated? I, I think it's critically important. I, I think that this idea of having a, a patchwork set of solutions through different state laws uh, isn't going to be workable in the long term. And, and so I believe, I speak for most of my colleagues. I think all of us really understand the need to have something that will create the best we can and even playing field across the country, whether that's through NCAA rules making or, or federal legislation, uh, that remains our preference and I'm hopeful that that will happen. Where are some areas where that gets a little bit dicey? Because I see some implications being, you know, maybe some, some luring and recruiting of, you know, telling athletes, hey, you can come here and you can make this much money through endorsements. I mean, do you see that being a, a potential conflict or, or an issue that might arise with that? With having a national rule? No, I mean just in general with name, image, and likeness, and maybe like keeping recruiting clean in a sense. Like, how do you plan to? Absolutely, that? that that's always been a concern on the name, image, likeness front. There are a lot of logistical details that have have been a challenge. I think that our law here in Illinois, and I believe most of the laws that have been passed, have a prohibition on on using name, image, likeness in the recruiting space. Uh, obviously. Saying that and, and seeing it upheld are, are two different things, um, but but we're all aware of that risk, and I, I think something that we're we're committed to seeing staying in the right place the best that we can. And how are your what are your efforts look like as far as you know providing resources for student athletes to maybe learn how to manage finances and manage their their own personal brand as we kind of head into this new frontier of of college athletics. That, that's a big part of our responsibility as an athletic program. Our opportunity is to provide our student-athletes with support and resources so that they can be more informed engagers in this new environment. They're able to understand, as you're saying, their, their brand value. They're able to understand how to manage their money. They're able to understand the tax implications of any revenue that they might be able to generate. Um, and so we're in the process now of putting a, a team together uh, we'll have an educational plan for them that will help them uh, navigate in this new space and, and hopefully put them in a, in a strong position to, to benefit from it. And as we approach the end of the fiscal year here, you said uh, it was about a net loss of 12 to $8 million. How far forward in the future will that impact the athletic budget? Well, that remains to be seen. A lot of it is, is still up in the air. We don't know exactly what that final number will be as we wrap up the fiscal year and and, and what that uh, 
conversation will look like with the campus in terms of a financial recovery plan. Um, but we're optimistic that we'll be able to absorb that over time and, and uh, it won't have any dramatic implications for our day-to-day our -day operations. You've had a lot of pride in not having to cut any programs um, after uh, this crazy year and all of the financial implications that it brought, but you did mention that college sports are kind of heading in, in a different direction where we might see some consolidation. How, how concerning is that for you in keeping some of the programs here uh, afloat as we look ahead to, uh, ahead to the future? I think it, it's concerning. I, I, I don't know if it's, I would say it's concerning specifically about our programs. I think there's just a lot of unknowns about the landscape of college athletics in general. We, I've got a lot of confidence that we've got the right people here to help uh, identify solutions as, as the landscape clarifies itself. Um, but, but college athletics is changing and there are some things out there that are well beyond our control that will have influence on, on what college athletics looks like over the next five or ten years. And We've got to be prepared as a, as a Big Ten school to, to uh, be on the front end of that and, and navigate in that space. Pre-pandemic, a lot of people were excited about hockey, but how, how do you, how, what is your excitement as you look forward to maybe restarting some of those uh, conversations with bringing a hockey program here? I think that a lot of the, the reasons that we were excited about hockey continue to today. And the, the idea that we could bring uh, a third revenue sport to the University of Illinois, that we could bring a new sense of, of life and vitality to downtown Champaign. We could benefit a lot of businesses, whether it's hotels, restaurants. Uh, we could create a, a new opportunity for young people around this area to, to learn a sport and, and be involved uh, in, in something that happens on the ice. And so I, I think those were all still there. We, we knew that we had other things that were more pressing over the last 15 months. And so now to be able to to restart some of those discussions and kind of see where the different partners stand today as opposed to where they were back in March of 2020 is, uh, is a discussion we're excited to, to have and, and we'll just have to reassess and, and see what makes sense. Is there a timeline at all, I mean, or, or a goal for when you would want to see, you know, that, that program come to the university? Yeah, nothing, nothing that I would commit to. I, I think we've just got to kind of see, and, and nor do I say that it, it will happen. I, I think that, uh, again, the world's different now than it was 18 months ago, and so we've got to really do a, a good job of, of evaluating the landscape and seeing if, uh, if bringing hockey here still is, uh, is the most uh, appropriate solution. Sure. You have more than 50% of your athletes, student athletes vaccinated. What could that mean for uh, this program in, in heading forward with COVID protocols um, this next year? I, I give our student athletes, student athletes a lot of credit. I, I expect that number will be far higher than 50% before the end of the summer. It's already actually closer to 75% and we think it'll, it'll climb up into the 90s as the student athletes return to campus and, and start to understand a little bit more about uh, how their experience will be different, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated and heading into the fall seasons. So I, I, I really am excited about uh, the promise of the vaccine. I'm grateful that our, our staff in addition has stepped forward and uh, agreed to, to take the shot. And so I think that uh, you know it bodes well for the program and ultimately will allow us to compete in a more normal environment than, uh, than we did this past year, certainly. How important is it for you to keep in-state gambling, in-state betters outside of college athletics? To me, it's important. I, I think that I, I really feel strongly there's a, a difference in, in between college athletics and professional athletics. 
sometimes that difference is very small. In this case, I think it's fairly su substantial and uh, feel like the, the things that are happening around college athletics, the dynamic in college athletics just creates too much risk, primarily for our students. Uh, you've got young people, 18, 19, 20 years old, who are the subject of bets by people who are 21 years or older. Um, so you, they're not even old enough to bet themselves, but they're being bet upon. Uh, that feels a little a little awkward to me. And, uh, and then you've got a lot of physical and mental health concerns. I, I think that uh, our student athletes here on our campus are very exposed and they're out amongst the student body. They live in apartments, they sit in class, uh, now potentially with people who bet on them. And, and that seems a little, uh, a little awkward again. And then the last thing is just the social media activity has become really concerning. Uh, we, we've seen an increase in the, the narratives that are directed directly at our student athletes uh, and, and the abusive nature of those, the, the negative tone is something that has become a major point of concern for us. And we, we worry that by legalizing in-state gambling, we would only see that worsen. Yeah, and what are your efforts look like to keep in-state gamblers out of college athletics? We, we've been fortunate that we've got a group of Division One athletic directors here in our state uh, that unanimously opposes that that effort. Uh, again, our obligation is to our student athletes, and we want to make sure that we're looking out for their best interests. We don't believe that opening up gambling uh, in the state does that, uh, and so we've we've had a number of conversations at the state level. We'll continue to have those conversations, and we understand what we can and can't control, but. Uh, we feel strongly about this particular issue, and we're hopeful that uh, the state lawmakers will see things our way. And lastly, we'll wrap up with some facility renovations. Of course, a couple already in the works, Ubin and you know baseball, softball facilities. What's next on the list for you as far as prioritizing what could be next to, to be renovated? I'm not sure yet. I, I think that we, we certainly have a number of needs. We, we know what that is, Memorial Stadium, gymnastics, wrestling, baseball, softball. There's, there's swimming. There's a number of sports that, that have facilities that are still in need of attention. Uh, we're kind of working our way through the end here of what was phase one of our master facilities plan. Uh, we'll need to sit down and really put pen to paper and figure out what phase two looks like. I think identifying the needs will be the easy part, trying to prioritize that list and then seeing what different donors' appetites might be to help support some of those projects will be uh, obviously an important part of that process as well. So uh, a lot of work to be done there, but. Uh, we'll, we'll, right now, we're focusing on the buildings we have coming up out of the ground and trying to get those projects finished in the next 18 months, and then we'll, uh, we'll turn our attention to what comes next. All right, Josh, thank you so much. Anything else you want to add before we wrap things up? No, my pleasure. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you. Appreciate it.